Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSE Squared Podcast. So as we're talking about, is it time to shake up your recovery and your healing? As I think about that, <laughs> I think way back to when I uh, very first started to get into recovery seriously. And my ment- my first mentor, Dr. Paige Bailey, who was a, just an awesome, classy, world-renowned uh, neuropsychologist, took me under his wing. I spent three or four years training under him, and he really tried to just make me an expert in all things addiction and the brain, right? What is going on in the brain? How does it work? I mean, he was just phenomenal. And out of that whole process came my first book, The Drug of the New Millennium, you know, the Hmm. the brain science behind internet porn addiction. And that tells you how immersed I was in it and how far I had come. Here's the crazy part. After all of that, I'm an author. I've written a book about it. I was still in addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. right? Information is not the key. It doesn't matter how much you know, right? And here's the funny part. Well, I guess really not funny, kind of tragic if you really think about it. So I would have a relapse and I could give you a play-by-play recount of what happened in my brain right down to the neuron, right down every chemical, how much of it had released, what happened in my nervous system. I could tell you all of it with absolute Mm. authority and yet I was still relapsing. Yeah. That tells you, that told me, you got to shake something up here because just because you know all this stuff, it's not helping you recover or, or heal. And how many times do we see that? Oh gosh, all the time, right? That, <laughs> right? that difference between knowledge and application for mm. sure. I, I know I've talked about that a lot here on the podcast too. It's we both have been guilty of of hypocrisy of the highest oh, order for sure. Yes, right. 
lecturing clients on the benefits of sobriety while not yeah, being just, uh, ourselves. Just sideline our wives for a little private conversation to talk about Mark and Steve's hypocrisy <laughs> and duplicity, right? I they mean, would probably just rub their hands together and just say, where would you like to begin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roll their eyes it's yeah it's so it's it's very true but and it's, it's so it's easy for a lot of reasons to get into a place where your recovery or your healing are starting to stagnate they're starting to slow down you know even i hear clients say i'm just stuck we're just stuck yep. we're not making any progress mm-hmm. or on the other side it seems like they really kind of never get into the flow at all you know there's there's a lot of ways that that happens well, and I think that, you know, the stagnation process, it it's disruptive on so many levels. I let's just be real. It uh as a stagnator, as an instigator of stagnation, you know, for different <laughs> like reasons in term. recovery. Yeah. I mean, it's it's frustrating for the people actually in the involved in the recovery process. It's frustrating for you and your spouse. Mm-hmm. But frankly, it's frustrating with anybody else involved in your recovery as well. Uh there have been too many times in both of our careers. I know we talked before the this, this uh, session where sadly we had to let clients go and it's not because we even wanted to, or, or because it was, it was something that we enjoyed. It was because it was simply the right thing, right? Clients had either for a lot of reasons, either client, maybe they had progressed with us just as far as they were able to. Yeah. Right. Is, is one reason. Um, Another big reason is, is uh, they just, you know, they get caught kind of in this never ending pattern of, of they get too comfortable. It's a good yep. way to put it, right? Comfortable, you know, one and and here's the thing for those listening, a really important part for your continuing recovery in mind as clinicians is to stay in our our honesty and authenticity and when a client does come to that place and we're feeling it to be honest enough for us to express it openly. Yes. In a very raw real way because it would be very easy to just sort of Go along to get along, kind of keep things as they are. Mm-hmm. You know, don't make waves. Sometimes we have to make waves and say, you know what, this just isn't working. Let me let me get you other help. Yeah. That's an important part of you and you and me staying healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Recovery works best when everybody in the recovery relationship, you, your spouse, your therapist, your sponsor, right? All those people are exhibiting the same communication traits. Yep. There's transparency, there's vulnerability, there's honesty, there's true love, which we talk about on here, right? Telling people what they need to hear versus what they want to hear. Um, that all makes up a solid recovery plan. So there are a lot of things that lead to, to uh, or that can contribute to the stagnation, right? At both causes and results. Uh, one, which is one of the scariest, is burnout, for sure. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, if you're spending all your time, I, I've worked with too many couples who unfortunately will get to my office where, they have spent really sincere, solid effort in the recovery process, but working on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, work, they're trying to they're trying to work on step five of the process when they've skipped steps one through four for whatever reason, and they just spin their wheels and spin their wheels, and progress is really slow. They become discouraged, right? We kind of tap out, max out, and it just makes when we finally get on track that much harder. Um, so, so that's definitely a risk. A, a big symptom or a common cause of stagnation can be a lack of commitment or follow through. Mm, um, yes. I know this will be gravitationally shocking, but addicts have a hard time keeping commitments. <laughs> and <laughs> <You> think <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. 
and and in spouses even you know from a trauma perspective there's research to show reasons for that anything from memory loss to all sorts of things and so lack of commitment or follow through you can have the best therapist for example on planet earth but if consistently week to week you're not either he's not setting goals with you which by the way if you're not getting goals each week in recovery that's a real problem if you're in a therapy relationship yeah but but you're either not he's either not giving he or she's not giving goals or you're not following through with them change is going to be minimal and and you're going to get stuck and then all these other things start to build yeah so if you find yourself and this is where self-awareness mindfulness comes in if you find that you're having a resistance with making commitments if you're if you're not wanting to follow through right if you're hemming and hawing and rolling your eyes when the next assignment comes yeah it's a that's a real signal to to stop and step back and find out what's going on with this why is this the case mm-hmm. and sometimes and and but but there's the opposite side of that not the lack of follow through necessarily but recovery activities can actually become a way of avoiding the really deep, uncomfortable yeah. emotional work. Well, I'm doing all these other things. I'm, <laughs> I'm checking in, I'm going to meetings, I'm right, I'm doing all of this stuff. And yet you're, you're using that as sort of a, what would I say, a, a smoke screen to keep you from going to the really deep work. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It can happen in lots of really altruistic looking ways too, right? I worked, I've worked with guys who attend meetings like every day but when the meetings, what do they focus on? They're giving feedback to all the other group members. All the other there, guys you know? I know, right? right? They're there. And the stuff they're saying is like really good, but they're not ever really, but and it feels good because they're working recovery. Yeah. But they're not really having to look at their and stuff. And I was so guilty of that, especially in those, like I said at the beginning, those early, early neuroscience days, man, I could spout off so much impressive stuff. <laughs> the people would just sit and go, wow, how do you know all this? Yeah. And I was not working recovery, but I sure sounded like I was. Yes. I know everything. <laughs> now give me, give me space. I, I'm going to go act out. Yes. yes right. So we did that too much. I know. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's a deflection. It's a, it's a, an avoidance tactic. Yeah. It'd be so subtle because it feels like you're working it. I'm really working it. Yes. Well, are you? Totally. Well, and, and a couple of these other points, right? They actually tie together. Like, for example, boredom, right? If we're talking about stagnation, sometimes mm. it's just good old-fashioned boredom. Even the most solid recovery programs need shakeups. You can be working the best pro program possible, but one, because your brain's going to get bored. But, but also, just as importantly, as recovery, recovery needs evolve. Your recovery plan needs to be evolving as well. You yep. need to be mixing it up. I tell my clients... A good rule of, I had a client just the other day actually ask me like, so what does a good recovery plan look like? And we talked about a couple of specific options, some of the stuff we, that we've talked about here on the podcast that we talk about in our D2C program. But then I kind of closed the discussion with uh, that part of the discussion with the biggest thing that I've seen work in recovery is to, is to make sure that you're doing something uncomfortable every day, yeah. something that's stretchy. If you're, if recovery is comfortable, it's probably not eliciting the kind of change that you're wanting, I at least recurrently. Yep, you know? I would agree. Yeah, yep. So yeah, but, but oftentimes, what do we do? We allow our emotional discomfort or our pain avoidance. Again, I know this is shocking that any of us would have pain avoidance. Yeah. But we allow those, 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 uh, those parts of our brain to override doing the actual emotional heavy lifting or doing a less vulnerable version of it. 
right? Or whatever the case is. And this plays out not just in recovery with one's individual self, it plays out with couples. For everybody listening, what subjects do you have out there that probably need to be talked about, but that you rarely, if ever do? Mm. Right? You communicate so well in so many areas and so many facets, but there's like those three subjects that come up that it's like persona non grata. It's just like, no, you can't, you know, it's really awkward or uncomfortable. And what do we do? Unless we're forced to look at them, we tend to avoid uh, those things. And, and that sets us up for, you know, stagnation as well as all sorts of stuff in recovery. That's not good. And we get to the place in that where we're just activity for the sake of activity can, can start to take on the appearance of the hard work. Mm Mm-hmm. But really, we have to step back and we have to realize we're using it as a, as a deflection or avoidance tactic. Well, but we're doing our our couple check-ins every day. We've been doing yes. them every day for you know three months. Well, but have you been really like you said? But have you been checking in about these three topics? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the other seventy-three, but not those three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, for all of you listening out there, Mark and I get it. We know recovery is tough stuff. No kidding, man. We'd have given anything during those dark addiction years to have two seasoned professionals like us, you know, to bounce stuff off of, to get advice, to get mentoring. I know, right? That's why we've created the perfect program to guide addicts and spouses on their path to healing. For those listening today, there's no need for you to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to make the same mistakes we did. Don't go it alone. We're in this together. To get started, visit daretoconnectnow.com. Yeah, I know, and it's and it's true, and 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 this does speak to you know. There's there's kind of another piece to the pie that that brings up for me, and that is what what I call reactive recovery versus proactive mm. recovery. Yes. This is a whole so this is this subject is so much bigger than any podcast episode. It's going to be one of the gets kind of on my docket of one of the first things to cover in depth on our Dare to Connect program when we launch on uh, May 1st, but I uh but suffice it to say if we give the real shortened version of that, right? Too many of the clients that I work with, both addicts and spouses, find themselves falling into a pattern of really busting tail in the recovery process so to speak when the heat is on yeah but the minute it starts to dial down again we're reactive to that dialing down and so we dial down with it and what we end up with is this constant up and down cycle in the process where things look really good for a week or two and then they go bad and then they look good and then they crash Mm -hmm. and and switching over to a proactive recovery is a huge part of avoiding stagnation. Rather than looking at your recovery process and saying, what boxes need to be checked? What if we tried looking at our recovery from what's one way I want to be better or different in this marriage today? Mm -hmm. And let's center it around that. Yep. And just stop the reactiveness and and start doing with purpose. Yes. And direction. Absolutely. And, you know, and another thing you brought up was, uh, I thought it was, it's so... uh, we see this so much is that we try, for example, to work on our marriage relationship without doing mm. the deep work with regard to our trauma. Yes. Yes. And so you're, it's like, I'm not, it's like you're, you're trying, you're taking, you're, you're trying to work with each other to work on your sprinting 
when you're barely crawling. Why are yes. we having trouble with these sprints? <laughs> well, because <laughs> you're still on your hands and knees. Because of my torn ACL? <laughs> yeah, because of your, yeah, you're crawling around in your trauma and, and that, that very important critical work has not been happening. And so we'll see people try to go right to couples or you know marital counseling and then it, it fails, which is so understandable. And then comes the hopelessness. Now what? We're never yeah. going to make it. It's like, ooh, we need to take a bunch of steps back and start from the beginning, right? Yes. We see that a lot. That will often, you know, stagnate it or, or stop it in its tracks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just speaking a little bit more to that. I, it, it is very much true. I, recovery from trauma and recovery from relationship issues, I believe firmly, can happen in tandem. Or things go wrong is when we try to kind of like what you're saying, Mark, right? We overextend mm -hmm. on the areas that require the foundational footing. Mm -hmm. um, and we try to do things in recovery that don't have the trauma recovery or the shame resiliency, frankly, chops to kind of back it up. Right. And ends up sabotaging all the time. Mm -hmm. um, another component to this, and we've all got this. Everyone's got one of these in their recovery circle. If they're honest, we are, there's always someone to ferret out having members of your recovery circle, your recovery support system. Uh, let's do the G rated version. This is a Christian <laughs> podcast. Uh, this is not how I used to say it in my drug addiction recovery uh, groups that I used to run, but for, for uh, chemical addicts, but uh, coast, you know, other people in your recovery circle, co-signing on your bull crap. Yes. You know, people who are always agreeing with you or reinforcing incorrect thinking either because they don't want to confront or whatever the case is. And so you, I've worked with clients like this. And from a therapist's perspective, it's incredibly difficult because I'll introduce something interesting or uncomfortable or new. And he'll come back the next week and say he didn't, didn't do anything. And then he's like, well, I talked to my sponsor. And then I talked to these three guys in recovery. Uh -huh. and, you know, and, and obviously I'm not knocking on sponsors or guys in recovery at all. But if 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 you're surrounding yourself with people that are just going to be yes men or yes women in your recovery, you're doing yourself a, a disservice. Right. Or, or if you're surrounding yourself with people that are just going to stay in one rut. Yes. <laughs> one, one particular way that they come at it, you know? And, yeah. And, and so for, I, you know, I had a group way back when, where we, as guys just sat around and kind of turned into a wife bashing session yeah, all the things mm -hmm. she wasn't doing and this and that, right? And mm -hmm. you're getting completely off the track of why you're there and what it is that you're supposed to be looking at. Yeah. So it'd be very easy to get into that a myopic kind of group and circle, right? And so we yeah. get into this place then we say, okay, so uh, how do we shake it up? How do we shake up our recovery and healing if we're finding that there's this stagnation or stuckness or progress is slowed down? Mm -hmm. And what do you do? Yeah, there's, I think there's a couple of things we've already identified some of these. So I'll just run through these real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap up, but you know, looking at the different areas of your recovery circle and really asking the hard questions, right. Kind of through the mm -hmm. lens of what we've talked about today. Well, my sponsor, are we too buddy, buddy? My first mm -hmm. sponsor fired my butt and he straight up <laughs> told me it's because I wasn't doing anything. I was just complaining all the time and I hated his guts at the time, but I was so grateful for that. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Same thing with groups. You talked about that. Uh, different skills or activities. Swap something out in your recovery. Mix it up. You know, I uh, I share with clients often. I 
I'm very active in my faith tradition, but I've told even the the leader of my congregation, much to his chagrin, I'm just very open about the fact that sometimes I mix it up and I just go for a hike instead of going to church. Right. Because that's what I need that day, you know? Um, I don't need all the other dynamics coming with it. I just need to get close to God one-on-one. So that's just an example. Um, You know, uh, obviously, Mark, you talked about these therapists or recovery groups going stale or stagnant, and that can happen for lots of reasons, right? Therapists, there is, not all therapists are created equal. Some are better at confronting, some not so much. Some maybe like me, maybe confront a little bit to a fault and are less sympathetic. <laughs> I'm getting better at that. Mark is, Mark is, Mark is rubbing off on me. We're rubbing off on each other. So. We are, we are. Uh, but, uh, but the big thing is going to be getting uncomfortable. So the assignment this week, right, is going to be look, pick, just look at your recovery regimen as it stands, okay, and pick the most quote unquote stale part of it, okay? Whichever thing that you've been doing where if you're really honest with yourself, it's just tapered out in terms of what you're getting from it and mix it up, right? Swap it out for one of the most avoidant or uncomfortable activities from your list where people have told you before to do, and you're like, mm, well, I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, and this, is, those, this is for those in recovery or if, or if you're in betrayal trauma healing and you're finding yourself stagnating or, or being stuck, look at this as well. Yes. What are some ways you can shake it up and mix it up? Are there some uncomfortable places that you've maybe been postponing or avoiding uh, that, that you need to look at? Are you, are you perhaps, and, and we've talked about this, uh, especially for spouses, are you not being selfish enough in your mm. healing efforts? Mm-hmm. And that sounds weird to say that, but there is mm. a place for really focusing on me, right? Sort of like being on the airplane and, and the, the, the low oxygen warning goes off and the little masks pop out. Mm. Whose yeah. mask do you put on first? Mm-hmm. So that you can then help others. So, you know, so yeah, this applies to recovery and healing both. Where is an area where we can really start to mix it up and get uncomfortable and start to push through to new, to new progress and, you know, new horizons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. As always, guys, we care about you. We appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like addressed on the podcast, you're welcome to also contact us at our podcast website at pbsepodcast.com. Uh, we hope to hear from you soon and, and see you back on the battlefield. Yep. See you next week. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.